In today's episode of Men's Bible Study, Dr. Justin Hillhouse teaches on Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. Dr. Hillhouse teaches on the points that Joseph was a humble carpenter, a man that followed the law, a man who kept his mouth shut and did not slander or gossip, and a man who worked through problems methodically. The earthly father of Jesus was truly a man's man. Now let's hear from Justin Hillhouse. All right, good morning, boys. How are we doing? All right, let's try that again. Good morning, boys. How are we doing? All right, there we go. All right, if you have your copy of God's Word, please open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and uh, we're going to... Uh, a pastor asked me just a few uh, uh, days ago, he said, hey, listen, I won't be there on Tuesday if you could. Um, uh, will you fill in for me? And I said, absolutely. And he said, kind of here's what we uh, here's what I'm going to be preaching over the next several weeks. And so if you know, we've been in this series called the five pillars of manhood. And we have books. If you do not have a copy of a pastor's book, we have it right here for free. Uh, but Frazier's charging five dollars for some reason per book. And I don't know why, but um, we have it for free. But you can pay Justin five dollars because he's asking for it. And uh, we'll be more than happy to give you that book. So for those of you uh, uh, defense, criminal defense attorneys, uh, first of all, uh, I want your number. And then second of all, don't ask why. And then uh, we got a free book back there for you. So make sure and pick that up on your way out. But uh, we've been going through uh, and talking about different guys' lives like Samson. Uh, we talked about Aaron last week. And uh, so when Pastor asked me and said, hey, could you come in and talk today? I thought, well, hey, listen, uh, I'm not going to speak on anything he's going to speak about because in, over the next couple weeks, he's going to be talking about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's going to be talking about the Corinthian church, uh, Boaz, and some other uh, great men of the faith and great men in Scripture. And so today, I kind of wanted to just kind of parallel what he's talking about. And I want to talk about a guy that really, he doesn't get very much playtime at all. As a matter of fact, we really only talk about this guy during Christmas time. Okay, are you with me? And even when we talk about this guy at Christmas time, he's more of like a footnote. And when I began, and when I opened up scripture and I began to kind of look at him and, and remember kind of all the stuff I've heard all throughout Christmas, and I look at just my life and I look at just men in general, it seems like and this is just my opinion and what I quote feel, I guess you might say, but it feels like all the work I do, everything that goes on in my house and in my family, all the struggles that I go through, mom gets all the credit and I'm just a footnote. You know what I mean? And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But here in scripture, we see this man, this man's man, and he is the father, the earthly father of Jesus. And it seems like he just kind of gets a footnote. You know what I mean? And hey, let's talk more about Mary. Let's not talk about Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. Joseph the carpenter. And so when you look into Matthew chapter 1, specifically in verse 19, and we're going to look at that verse specifically, and we're going to unpack it a little bit, because in that verse... In that short verse about Joseph, you see a great man of character. And even though it's just like a small, short little verse, you go, wow, this guy, this guy is a stud. And so let's look 
at this verse real quick. Let's start in Matthew chapter 18. Let's back up a little bit. And we're going to read 18 through 21. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce, to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because... What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 19 right there in context is a very telling verse about Joseph and who he really is. And when you look at verse 19, we see three distinct characteristics about Joseph that every man can apply to his life. Three distinct characteristics that every man can apply to his life. And these three distinct characteristics not only apply to our lives, but we see in Joseph's life that they pay off later on. They may not pay off right there in the moment, but there is definitely a payoff later on. And so let's talk about these three things. Verse 19, it says this, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Real quick, three thoughts. The first thought is this. Joseph was a man that strived to do what was right in every situation. Joseph was a man that strived to do what was right in every situation situation. If you look there in verse 19, the very beginning of it, it says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. And that is key. He was faithful to the law. In short, he was a good Jew. Okay? That means he obeyed the commands that God had laid out in the Old Testament. If you look at other translations uh, on this verse, it says this. That's the NIV translation. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. If you look in the ESV, it says this. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man. Being a just man. When you look in the, in the message, I like uh, the version that the message uh, uses. It says, Joseph, chagrined but noble. Chagrined but noble. What I like about the message is it kind of shows that uh, Joseph has been vexed, that he has been hurt, that he has been disappointed or humiliated, but he still remains noble. And here is what is important to understand, is that there is nothing wrong with obeying the rules. There's nothing wrong with obeying the rules. As a matter of fact, obeying the rules is a good thing. Is it not? Obeying the rules is a good thing. Joseph, as we see 
In the different translations, he is described as noble. Some versions say he is righteous. The NIV states a man that follows the law. And so in such a way, Joseph is a guy that follows the law, that obeys the law. And because he obeys the law, he is determined to follow the law. And he has a legal right to divorce Mary, to call off the festivities, to say, hey, we are not going to uh, have this relationship anymore. We can stop it. There's no need to proceed. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And guys, for Joseph, this is a fairly easy call. It's, a, it's an easy call. He's a law-abiding guy. He's read it. He understands it. He knows it. And he's going to follow it. And that's okay. Mary messed up. So he can call this whole thing off. For us as guys, I don't know what it is, but we like to bend that law sometimes, don't we? We may not want to break it, but boy, we sure do like to bend it. Uh, Y'all ever heard of the five five mile an hour rule? Huh? Oh yeah, Uh uh-huh, because you you have the five. My wife tells me about it. Yeah, 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 your wife tells you about it, good. Y'all, y'all know what the five mile an hour rule is, right? Five mile an hour rule is whatever the speed limit is, you can what? Add five miles an hour to that speed limit. So if the speed limit is 75 miles an hour, how fast can you go without getting a speeding ticket? 80, 80 miles an hour. That's right. You got to carry the one. All right. So when, when you're driving, you say, hey, listen, you know, you can, uh, you, you can apply the five mile an hour rule, but here's the reality of it. If the speed limit is 75 miles an hour, and trust me, if you are driving uh, to Wichita Falls and you go up uh, 380, you are going to go through a town called Bridgeport, okay? How many of you have been through Bridgeport? Those guys follow the letter of the law there, okay? If the one mile an hour over and I have been pulled over doing 46 miles an hour and a speed ticket was written to me and I was furious I was mad stop laughing and the worst part is my wife was there and she couldn't believe it she's like if I get pulled over she's like you deserve it this time I don't deserve it I didn't deserve it because I went one mile an hour. But here's the reality, gentlemen. I deserved it. You know why? Because I broke the law. I went one mile an hour over and I broke the law. But guys, in general, hey, listen, five miles an hour, let's let's be honest, okay? Five miles an hour over, there's a little give there, okay? We're bending the law. We're not really breaking it, but, hey, you know, it's okay. That's right. Amen. Or as many points as you can get on your license. So, we, uh, we look at it, and, we, and sometimes we look at guys that are rule followers, and we kind of go, come on, man. You know what I mean? We almost kind of look down on them, like, look at that goody-goody. Right? Remember in grade school, hey, don't do that. The teacher says, don't do that. And what do they say? Come on, you goody-goody. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Hey, it's okay. I guess what? Everyone else is doing it. 
It's okay. And we almost look at guys that follow the rules, and we kind of look at them and go, man, you, you're kind of a goody-goody. You know? Come on, why don't you bend it just a little bit? Why don't you break it every once in a while? By the way, it's not going to hurt anyone. It's not going to harm really too many people. But understand this. The point of rules and the point of the law is not to keep you from having fun. The point of the law is to point out the problems and the stumbling blocks in our lives. That's the point of the law. And when we look in Scripture and you look and you read the law, it is God telling us, hey, listen, the purpose of the law is to point out the problems, to point out the stumbling blocks in life. When you look in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 2, and I'm going to go through these really quick so you can just write them down or listen to this uh, later on, but it says this, keep my commands, and then he says this, keep my commands and you will live. There's going to be a common theme here. Keep my commands and you will leave, live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Nehemiah 9.29 You warned them in order to turn them back to your law, but they kept arrogant and disobeying your commands. They sinned against your ordinances, of which you said, The person who obeys them will live. By them. Stubbornly they turned their backs on you, becoming stiff necked and refused to listen. Ezekiel 20 11, I gave them, and this is God talking, I gave them my decrees and made, no to, made known to them my laws, by which the person who obeys them will live. Over and over in Scripture, we see this theme of God telling us, hey, listen, when you obey my commands, you will live. You will prosper. And when you choose to disobey my commands, then punishment and death comes in. Throughout Scripture, over and over again, Scripture tells us obeying the law brings life. And so what does Joseph do? I suspect at a young age, he begins to obey the law of God. And guess what? It brings him life. Case in point, Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. She is not uh, officially uh, his wife yet. They have not consummated their marriage yet. And he hasn't slept with her. And so therefore, he finds out that she's pregnant. And so what does he say? Bing! There's a problem. <laughs> Doesn't he? Ding, ding, ding. Hey, listen, there is a problem. The Ten Commandments point out the problems. They point out the troubled areas in our lives. The Old Testament and the New Testament, it points out the stumbling blocks. They point out the sin and the problems in our lives. So Joseph is faithful to the law. He recognizes a problem and he moves to fix it. So Joseph views the law as something that will keep him from getting into trouble either now or in the future. Let me repeat that. Joseph views the law 
as something that will keep him out of trouble either now or in, a, or in the future. And so really when we read this scripture and he says he is faithful to the law, what a huge compliment in God's word a man can receive. This is somebody that obeys the word of God. What a huge compliment. Man, is that something my kids could say about me? And when I look in my heart and when I look in my life, is that something your kids, is that something your wife, is that something the people in the office will look at you and go, man, that guy follows the rules. And there might be a little bit of snickering and, oh, hey, he's a goody-goody. But really, what is the point of the rule? What is the point of the law? The point is to keep us out of trouble. Why do you want to get in trouble? Why do you want to help this whole table get rich? Right? They're all defense attorneys, right? Here's the problem. The reason why they have a job is because people have not obeyed the law. And guess what? They've gotten in trouble. They've gotten into problems. Because they didn't obey it in the first place. Hey guys, thanks for visiting with us, by the way. We're glad that you're here. And so here's the question I want you to ask yourself, because I had to ask myself this question. Am I looking for trouble or am I avoiding trouble? Because when I want to bend the law or break the law, then guess what? I'm looking for trouble. That's it, plain and simple. When I hit that speed limit of 75, the moment I go into 76, guess what? I'm looking for trouble. Whether I want to or not, whether I like it or not, I'm looking for trouble. When I am, when I am sitting there on the internet and something pops up and I'm sitting there thinking, should I click on this or not? Hey, guess what? Am I looking for trouble or am I avoiding trouble? Look to the law. I like what Woodrow Kroll said. He said this, when it comes to God's commands, the issue is not clarity, it's commitment. When it comes to God's commands, the issue is not clarity, it is commitment. Guys, we need to commit our heart and our lives to God's commands, to Christ's commands. And this leads us to our second thought, which is this. Jesus does not air his dirty laundry publicly. Joseph does not air. Did I say Jesus? I'm sorry. Joseph does not air his dirty laundry publicly. He is not a gossip. If you look there, <clears throat> kind of uh, two-thirds into this verse, it says, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. There is something to be said here about Joseph because Joseph, by all means, has enough ammunition to let loose on Mary. Correct? I mean, she's pregnant with somebody else's child. And on top of that, and I'm just wondering how this conversation went down. Joseph, let's sit down and have lunch together. Okay, great. Let's sit down. Okay, now Joseph, I don't want you to freak out, but I'm pregnant. <gasps> and on top of that, Joseph, okay, it's God's child. <laughs> just think about that, okay? Not only am I pregnant, and it's, it's God's child. So if I'm Joseph... Not only did my wife cheat on me, my future wife cheat on me, but also, guess what? She crazy, right? I mean, let's be honest. If somebody came into my office, sat down and said, listen, 
Okay, listen, we are engaged, we're getting ready to get married, but I got pregnant and it's God's child. What am I going to tell them? You, a future husband, walk away and you, you cray cray. Get out of here. There's no way that happened. What in the world are you thinking? And so think of it from Joseph's perspective. Not only is this lady I'm getting ready to live with for the rest of my life, not only did she get pregnant, but she's also crazy. And I mean, he has way more ammunition than he needs to walk out and be like, I'm divorcing this woman. We're calling it all off. And people say, why? He goes, well, first of all, she slept around. Then she came to me and she had the audacity to lie to me and tell me, by the way, this is God's kid. And it's the Holy Spirit that impregnated me, not the guy down the street. Can you believe that? And so when I sit there from Joseph's perspective, man, this guy, in that conversation, (laughs) there's a lot of information there to process. And he has enough ammunition to go out and to tell everybody, this lady, she sleeps around and she's crazy. So everyone beware. Everyone beware. However, there's more to the story because it says Joseph chose not to publicly disgrace her. And this is a great advantage to him later on. Let me give you four reasons, guys, to keep your mouth shut. Four reasons to keep your mouth shut. Number one, gossip destroys friendships and it divides people. Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. I love that verse. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. By its very nature, gossip is adversarial. By its very nature, gossip stirs up conflict. Basil Pascal said this, and I love this quote, Few friendships would survive if each one knew what his friend says about him behind his back. Hmm? Few friendships would survive if each one knew what his friend says of him behind his back. Hey guys, what are, what are we talking about other folks about you know are we busy spending time in somebody else's business man i got plenty of issues i got plenty of problems why do i need to be spending time messing with somebody else's but not only that it destroys friends and guys i don't know about you but i've seen friendships destroyed just by gossip i've seen it and it's happened some in this church And you know what? It just gets a little awkward. And sometimes the awkwardness is there for so long and it is so intense that eventually somebody leaves. Guys, we need to keep our mouth shut. Second thing is this, is gossip questions your character. It questions your character. Proverbs 11, 13, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. While gossip aims to attack someone else's character, spreading 
unsubstantiated stories about people goes against the very nature of Christian character. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Man, as a Christian man, we begin to talk and chatter about what this guy's doing or what that family's doing over there. Hey, guess what? <laughs> that goes against the very nature of our Christian character, the spirit that God has given us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The purpose of gossip is to tear somebody down to erode their self-esteem. One of the most dangerous places gossip happens is on social media. It happens on social media. And I tell you what, I am scared to death for my kids. Because back in the old days, you kind of gossip, it was real limited. Right? Because it was just limited to the folks you were talking about. Today, kids will post stuff on social media and it will spread like wildfire. And it just doesn't happen to that small group of friends that they're standing around talking to. It goes out there for the whole world and for everyone to read. It's scary stuff. Just a piece of advice, you can take it or leave it, but if your kids have a cell phone, I would limit them and as a matter of fact, not even have social media on any of their devices. Just keep them from it. It'll save them at this young age. Because what's going on and what people are reading against faceless attacks that are being done behind a computer screen, man, guess what? Or behind a cell phone screen, guess what? It is chipping away at their self-esteem. It is making them not feel valuable. And guess what? There, there are a lot of folks, they are choosing to end their lives because guess what? Of all the things people said on Facebook that they don't even know. They don't even know these people, yet they read it and they take it to heart. And so as a parent, I just want to encourage you, man, help guard your children because the gossip is out there and people will attack. Frederick Faber said this, I find great numbers of moderately good people who think it is fine to talk scandal. They regard it as sort of evidence of their own goodness. Ooh. I did not like reading that quote. Let me read it again. I find great numbers of moderately good people who think it fine to talk scandal. They regard it as sort of evidence of their own goodness. We use it to kind of build, build ourselves up and degrade someone else. That is not what gossip does. Number three, gossip hurts their reputation and it hurts your reputation. Psalm 34, 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. When you are a gossip, when you are letting your tongue wag, you're telling your audience that, number one, you can't be trusted. You cannot be trusted, and you're also saying that you can and have the ability of being malicious. Be careful. And finally, number four, 
Gossip takes time away, get this, gossip takes time away from doing something productive. You ever thought about that? Gossip takes time away from doing something productive. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Every minute spent chin wagon about somebody else and their issues is a minute taken away from you being productive doing something else. Ever thought about that? In other words, you're wasting time talking about something. Number one, you have no business talking about. Number two, you don't have all the information. Okay. Number three, you probably only heard one side of the story. So you're busy talking about that when you could be doing or talking about something else that is productive. Instead of taking time to cut someone's legs out from underneath them, why don't you take time to encourage somebody? Why don't you take time to point out the good stuff about them? And if there's not very much good stuff, just say, hey, they're a good guy and just walk on and and walk off and go do something productive. Remember, it is the devil that constantly wants to tear down. It is the devil that wants to destroy. We as men and the way God created us, He has created us to be builders. And so we are to go out there and we are to build stuff like buildings, but we can also use our words and our tongues to build somebody else up. Spend time building something great with your mouth instead of destroying something great with your mouth. Are you all with me on that? Y'all hear me on that? And I'll tell you what, as a guy, sometimes I get sucked into it. But the more I think about it and the more I pray about it and the more I'm with other guys, the more I try to say, hey, man, that's a really good guy. And let's stay positive about the situation. Let's stay positive about that guy. Let's remember, hey, he's the one in the city. He's the one that might need some help. Instead of talking about him, let's go help him. Instead of talking bad about him, let's pray for him. Because last time I checked, when I looked at my life, my life is pretty screwed up too. You know why? Because I'm a sinner. (laughs) And so let's spend our time building. That's what God does. God builds. He creates. He makes. So let's be what God's called us to be. Builders. Creators. Makers. And we can do that with our hands, but we can also do that with our tongue. Thomas A. Kempis said this, and I quote, We should have more peace if we would not busy ourselves with the sayings and doings of others. Let me repeat that. We should have much more peace if we would not busy ourselves with the saying and the doing of others. James chapter 1, verse 26 Those who consider themselves religious. If you don't know this verse, I would write this verse down, mark it, go back, ponder it. But it says this, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. E. That verse hurts. That verse hurts. Whoever considers themselves religious and they don't keep a tight rein on their mouths and what they say, their religion 
is worthless. At the moment, Joseph has a, some great reasons to publicly disgrace Mary. Now, when you really think about this, we read later on, right, in verse 20, that an angel came, okay, in his dreams and, and talked to Joseph and explained everything out, right? Just think about this. What a mess Joseph would have created if he went out, started talking. Hey, listen, Mary, first of all, she slept around and then she's cray cray because guess what? She says she's been impregnated by the Holy Spirit and not, and not some guy. Is that not crazy? Now, could you imagine verse 20 rolls around and an angel shows up and goes, Hey, Joseph, huh, what she told you is true and I'm here to confirm that. How's that going to play out when he wakes up the next morning and he goes, okay, guys, everything I said yesterday, that's not true. Mary, Mary's really a good girl. You see, the problem with gossip is you can't take it back once it comes out. And boy, is it really hard to change the story, too. Oh, wait a minute, what I said, that, that was not true. Well, if it wasn't true, then why are you talking about it? Right? If it wasn't true, then why are you even talking about it? And when it comes to chin wagon, we have to understand that some of the stuff we hear is probably not true. I pretty much assume anything any guy says is not true until confirmed through another source. Because I don't know who they are, I don't know where they've been, I don't know anything. And so could you imagine how the story would have read after verse 20? And then Joseph got up the next morning and got on a soapbox and told everybody that he was wrong. Or he just went ahead and married her. Then guess what would have happened? That would have just increased all the gossip and speculation from everybody else. Guys, we got to keep a tight rein on our tongue. Joseph follows the law for the purpose of keeping him out of trouble. And second of all, he keeps his mouth shut. He keeps his mouth shut. And guys, we just need to keep our mouth shut. And then this leads us to our third thing about Joseph that's so cool. This guy, he's an amazing guy. The rest of the verse says this in 19. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Notice here that he thought about breaking things off. But he didn't. He thought about breaking things off. He was processing it. He was thinking about it. He was going through the motions in his head. Like, who do I tell? Who do I need to hire? What's going on? How is this going to play out? How quick is this going to happen? Because, let's be honest, this is a big decision to walk away, even though Mary's making it so easy. Right? Honey, I'm pregnant and it's from God, right? That's easy to walk away from, okay? Crazy easy to walk away from. And yet, he steps back from the situation, and he thinks about it. He molds it over. Scripture doesn't tell us how long he thought about it. He has a big problem. He has a big issue. 
And we don't know if he heard about it that morning. And it's that evening. We don't know if this lasted a couple days. I don't know. I don't know how long he thought about this. But here's what we do know. Is that he slept on it. He slept on it. Because when you look in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, the next verse says this, because he was looking to quietly divorce her. But then look, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a, dr in a dream. So whatever he was going to do, he was at least being patient about it. And he said, okay, before I do anything crazy, I'm just going to go to bed. I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to wake up in the morning and look at this thing with a fresh pair of eyes and see how I can get out of it. Okay? And so he goes to bed, and in that he has a dream. Joseph, if Joseph would have rushed and jumped to conclusions, made a split-second decision, an emotional decision and not think through the situation or give it a day or two before putting things in motion, guess what? This story would read completely different. Today in our world, in our lives, and I'll even say it here in the church, even your senior staff, sometimes we make decisions right now, right? And we sometimes feel like we have to make decisions right now. I tell you what, when I was preparing this uh, uh, time together uh, yesterday afternoon, when I kind of got to this point, this is the point that really affected me the most because I'm a split second decision guy. Okay, do we have enough facts? I don't ask the question, do we have all the facts? I say, right? I say, do we have enough facts to make a decision? That's the wrong question. Do we have all the facts? Because I'm a split, I'm like, let's make a decision and move forward, right? Let's make a decision, we got, we got the stuff, okay, great, let's make a decision, let's move forward. And sometimes, in my perceived hurriedness to try and make a decision and move forward, sometimes it takes time for facts and for information to come to fruition. Does it not? It takes time. And so for me, I, I just make split-second decisions. Sometimes they're good decisions. Sometimes they're not as good decisions as they should be. Y'all can talk about that later. But as gossip, that was a reference to the last. Okay, y'all with me? Okay, good. So understand this, okay? Joseph took time to step back, okay, and to let things play out for good or bad. He took time to let things play out for good or bad. And sometimes in life, in business, personally, wherever it is that you're at, sometimes we think we have to make a decision right now when the reality is, is you don't have to make that decision right now. We think we do, but the reality is, is we really don't. Y'all understanding what I'm saying here? Because I do that sometimes. I'll make a decision when I really didn't have to make a decision at all at that time. 
And so what does Joseph do? Joseph addresses the problem methodically. Yes, my wife is crazy. My future wife is crazy. Yes, she is pregnant. He has every right by the law to divorce her. And yet he steps back and he says, okay, let's process through this thing and see what my different options are. Let's methodically go through this. When he could have just made a split second decision and said, nope, I'm done. I'm out, you know. But he chose not to. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. Understand this, the diligent, those that are diligent, they go through all the options. They look at all the different scenarios. The diligent take their time. That's what they do. The diligent take their time. Joseph was diligent. I need to be diligent. We need to be diligent. We need to be diligent in our marriages. We need to be diligent in our office. We need to be diligent in our decision making. Joseph was diligent and he waited and he let it play out. Psalm 143.8 Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. If you have a decision, sleep on it. Because what I like about this verse is it says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. It's there in that morning. It's a great time. To mull over a problem because guess what? The world hasn't woken up. Generally, the family hasn't woken up. The office is empty. Hey, understand this. I've slept on it. At least take a night and sleep on it. What did Joseph do? It was in a dream that the angel came to him. He slept on it. He was considering divorce. He thought about divorce. He said, hey, listen, we're going to do this quietly. But he chose to sleep on it. Let me get some sleep. And then... I'll probably, when I wake up in the morning, I'll see kind of how my mind is thinking and move forward. I believe, and this is my personal opinion, so please understand what I'm saying here. I believe that God choosing Joseph as the earthly father of Jesus was just as important, if not more important, than choosing who Jesus' mother was. Even though Joseph doesn't get near as much play, even though we don't know very much about him, verse 19 tells me a lot about him. It tells me the kind of man he is, the kind of man that's going to raise the Son of God. And what a great man he is. I mean, we look at him every Christmas and we go, man, he's a great guy. He endured a lot. Dude, this guy is a stud. And if Scripture can say what they've said about him, man, if, if my kids can say half of what Scripture says about Joseph at my funeral, then I've done good. And there's only one verse really about Joseph in Scripture. Hey, this guy is a stud. Joseph is a humble car carpenter. He was a man that followed the law. 
He kept his mouth shut and did not slander or gossip, and he worked through a problem methodically. The earthly father of Jesus, this guy was a man's man. A.W. Tozer said this, What then are we to do about our problems? We must learn to live with them until such time as God delivers us from them. We must pray for grace to endure them without murmuring. Problems patiently endured will work for our spiritual perfecting. They harm us only when we resist them or endure them unwillingly. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you immediately after I get done praying, come talk to me. Go talk to Justin the Taller. Go talk to Sloan's. Talk to one of those guys there at your table. We'd love to tell you about the saving power of Jesus Christ and what He did. Because it was Joseph, the earthly father, that God chose to raise uh, Jesus But it was Jesus that went on to the cross, died for our sins, so that we may have an eternal relationship with God, not only here on earth, but also forever in heaven. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. Thank you that we as men could gather here today and open up your word and learn about Joseph. God, what a great man that you chose to raise your son, Jesus, here on this earth. God, thank you for his example. God, thank you that he was a man that followed your law, that he, did not, he wasn't a gossip, that God, he, he took time to think things through. God, we ask that um, as we go forth into our work and into our jobs today, God, I ask that we would apply these things to our own lives, that, Father, we may follow you in the way that you would like us to go. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.